I'm Abe. I'm Josh. I'm Anas. And this is the Chalk My Bag Podcast. Very special episode for you here today. We have our first guest. You might know him as Mikey P, the headmaster of the school of Mikey P. World-renowned, equipped, equipped, raw, equipped, Equipped. world-renowned, equipped, raw powerlifter. He's got the smoothest hands this part of the Mississippi. None none other than Mikey P. Come on. Whoa. Okay. 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 Mikey, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us here today on the Chalk My Back podcast. We're so happy to have you. So this is going to be a sounding board, basically, so that the world can get to know you, Mikey P. We're going to ask you some questions about your past, maybe some questions about your future. Okay. Nothing about your present, though. Okay. Yeah, Abe, Abe doesn't care about that stuff. We don't care about your present, but we're going to have a good time. I really just wanted to like get an overview of your powerlifting career. So if you could take us back to where it all began. Oh, man. My career? Yeah. Your career. So Started... let's, start with, let's start with a high school. You remember? That's assuming that I lifted in high school. Maybe. Yeah, sure. We've been following your career. We know you no, lifted in high school. I, okay, so... I first did powerlifting in high school. Yeah. I did it because I went to Kennedell High School in Arlington, Texas. The strength and conditioning coach at my high school was Josh Bryant or Jailhouse Strong. Like Julius Maddox, like the guy who bent, who's like the best bencher in the world right now. He's coached by Jailhouse Strong or Josh Bryant. He's like a big timer now, but he was my strength and conditioning coach in high school. It's like small world. I was only playing like football as a sport. Mm -hmm. I played football since like seventh grade and I would only lift to like get stronger, get better for football. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't that big. I was always like 130, 140 pounds. I was pretty light. Coach always wanted me to like eat up and weigh like 180 plus. But, uh, and I didn't even know like what powerlifting was until Coach Bryant told me, hey, you should try powerlifting. He's like, I think you'd be good at it. At first I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. But then, (laughs) yeah, my freshman year, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. It's stupid. I only like football. But my other friends did powerlifting too, and they they were good at it, and so we went to state, and I was like, what? I'm better than them. My next year, I tried out and did it, and then that's how I got started in powerlifting. Do you have any like cool stories about him? Because you said he wasn't too well-known. You no, back, I- Yeah, back then, he was just like, I mean, he was like kind of known, but he didn't have any like world record holders and stuff now. Yeah. Um, he's definitely a bigger name now. He has maybe yeah. 100K followers now. He writes books. Uh, he has his channels. He does, He's like a big timer now. What, what were your numbers before, I guess, you started competing your sophomore year? I think I squatted maybe like 275, benched 165, and then we didn't deadlift. Because in football, like, you didn't deadlift, so I didn't know what my deadlift was. Those okay. are pretty good numbers. Starting out, yeah? Yeah, starting out. And I weighed 130. So so you said you saw your friends doing it and then you wanted to do it because you thought it was easy. Like what what about it did you think was easy? Well, I didn't I didn't know like what numbers you needed, but I knew I was stronger than my friends and they went to state. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, PG Am I allowed to say that here? Uh, uh, yeah, you're gonna get shadow banned, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> so was was Brian helping you at the time of your sophomore year? Like, was he kind of coaching you? Yeah, he's a strength and conditioning coach. So he's he's just he's not like individually one on one helping me. So strength and conditioning coach across the whole school's athletic program. So if you're like in soccer, he writes your workout for soccer off season. If you're basketball, he writes your workouts for basketball off season. 
how long did it take you to get to, is it like high school state? So sophomore year, I only went to regionals. Okay. It, it, it is only equipped and I didn't, I had like quote unquote equipment, but it was really like, it, it didn't help you lift more. It was just like a tight singlet. My sophomore year, I think my best squat was like 350-ish and then best bench is like two 205 and then deadlift was like 415-ish sophomore year mm-hmm. and I only went to regionals with that as a 148 oh wow and then my next year I was a one I was still a 148 and I was squatting like 440 benching like 280 290 and then deadlifting like 470 ish THSPA Texas High School Powerlifting Association those are those are pretty decent numbers for someone I mean, that's, that's not that's like big. that's like equipped and that's like way back like yeah that's like in like 2008 more than 10 years ago when people didn't even know yeah, what before the power creep happened yeah but back then that was good enough to take you to state as equipped yeah right now as raw that i don't know if that would even qualify you to go to like usap on that but yeah, yeah the strength curve has increased so much in over the past few years yeah for sure Junior year, I went to state. I didn't get anything, nothing. And then my senior year, I went to state again. But instead of being a 148, I was a 165. So I went up a weight class. Mm-hmm. I got stronger, and I won state then. What were your numbers then? 525 squat, 340 or 345 bench, and then like 505 or 515 deadlift. Oh, wow. God. That's a huge that, improvement. That was like in 2010? Yeah, 2010. It's a big improvement, but I also went up a weight class. So it's like, but it, Yeah, but you didn't go up like, you went up like, what, 10 pounds? I was like a light 165. I probably weighed in at like 159 or something. So Do you think between that time frame, do you, do you attribute your weight gain to be the biggest reason that your total got better? Or did you improve like your technique? Uh, I definitely got used to using the equipment better, mm-hmm. but I wasn't good at equipment until I got to college and really learned how to use it. I think in high school, you just put on tight equipment and you just you just do your best to control the weight and like hit depth and then just, just come up. That's it. There's really like no technique about it. You don't, <laughs> you don't, they don't tell you to brace. Like They don't tell you to like, do anything with your stance. They're just like, all right, just go hit depth and then like, just push as hard as you can. That's it. Did you ever so, get injured? Not in high school powerlifting, no. Which oh, well. is kind of kind of wild because they make you compete every other week. Oh, what? every other Wait, week. They make you week? max out. Yeah, they make you max. It's like a. So it's like you know you have like a it's football like season. It's like a sport, like a regular sport, like soccer season or football season. You have a game every other week, like powerlifting season. Really? Like in high school, you go to a meet every. I mean, there's me. You can go to a meet every week. We went every other week, as if that's like better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Ours, ours was every other week, so that they can get you some quote unquote rest. You do a meet, you rest for a week, and then you work out for a week, and then you go to your meet again, and oh then you just God. repeat, repeat. It's so dumb. Yeah. What the I know heck? some people that do that now. Um. So, Mikey, that sounds like the Wild West. What? What about? What about that environment? hooked you to powerlifting to make you want to pursue it not only as like you know a hobby but as kind of like your your profession for a majority of your life i like the self-improvement i think that's why 
before powerlifting, I just like being in the gym anyways, because I was trying to get stronger for other sports. But I just like the fact that, you know, you can have measurable progress, whether it's with your weight, like your body weight, your like body composition, the numbers on the bar. Yeah, I just I just like having that progression and being able to work at it. Did you ever hit a plateau training the way you were training in high school? Going so hard, going like we had a we had a previous episode where we talked about you doing too much volume and doing too much uh, too quickly to where like you would, you can't really raise. Uh, you're kind of hit, you hit the ceiling quicker. Um, oh, did I, you experience that? I didn't experience that in high school, but I agree with that as a concept. Like in, when I'm training myself or my athletes, I mean, I look at. I guess I'm getting like kind of ahead of myself, but I look at like what like the timeline of when they're trying to compete or what their goals are. And I tailor the training for them. Like if you're like a good lifter now and you're trying to win nationals, like next year, I'll give you stuff. That's like more higher volume to have you kind of, uh, realize your full potential like sooner. Mm -hmm. But then if you're, if you're a little more casual, you're not trying to be that competitive yet. You're kind of doing this more for fun or long-term, then I'm going to kind of deviate away from that and kind of work on like breaking you down, building up your weaknesses, uh, accenting your strengths. That's a more long-term approach for me. So I believe in that, but that never happened to me in high school. High school, I just kind of lifted and did what my coach said. I was lucky because my strength and conditioning coach is a world renowned world record powerlifting coach now. So I had like good, I just had like good guidance yeah um, you, you had a pretty pretty good first coach to help you kind of navigate your yeah. first steps into powerlifting yeah I've, and i feel i could only imagine like what it would have been like if i just had some some random like history teacher coach who's never done powerlifting who's just oh, oh, assigned yeah. to be the <laughs> he's just assigned he was to always dating coach. the health teacher too like for some reason <laughs> they always they were always dating yeah it's a very specific a detail problem. that you remember from high school yeah, it's a very specific. I remember they they shacked up, but so for those that don't know, Brian is really really strong. He's like Mikey said, he's really world renowned. Did did he ever introduce you to uh, the OG Metroflex? And like, did you ever like pull inspiration from seeing people like there? If you did go, oh yeah, he he would take us there some days. There was like sometimes he wanted for like off season, he wanted to do like some strongman training with like stones. Oh, and, really? oh, that's uh, cool. and this is like in like summer off season with all the football season is not going on. Powerlifting is not going on. Yeah. He went to do like stones and yoke and stuff. And that's not going to be at your high school gym. So he took like me and like a few other guys who are like, more like dedicated and he's like okay give my truck we're going to, <laughs> we're going to this place yeah we're going to this place called metroflex arlington we'll be back by we'll be back in two hours okay. <laughs> yeah, so, wait, what the heck that's so yeah. mind-blowing you're doing strongman training before like strongman was like a, a thing that i mean people it was knew. still a thing but it wasn't it, this was all like a thing yeah but, it's but just it just not as, known yeah not as popular yeah, we're doing it in like 2008. Yeah, the heck? that's so crazy. So, like, did you um, did you make any progress doing that stuff? Do you think? Uh, we we only went well. We went once, and I hated it. Like, I hated the stones because it's like cut up your arms. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. So I never went back to another one of those trainings. 
<laughs> so I guess not. I didn't make progress. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't give it a shot. There's still time. <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't like do he, it makes his, he makes his big appearance in Strongman. Moving on to, I guess, your, your time at UT Austin where you were a collegiate lifter. Take us through, I guess, what was it like? Because if I remember correctly, they hold tryouts to, to join their team, correct? Yeah, they have tryouts just because it's like limited space. Okay. And so they want to, I mean, perfect world, they would want to take on everybody. They don't want to like turn down powerlifting to people because they want everyone to be able to enjoy it. But in that atmosphere, they're, they have limited spots and they're trying to be as competitive as possible. So they're going to pick and choose who they think uh, is the best fit for a winning team. When you first started, what was kind of different from what you learned from your high school experience to, I guess, this new collegiate setting? Collegiate powerlifting back then also was only equipped. Mm-hmm. And because uh, my coaching changed, I went, I moved on from Josh Bryant to uh, my collegiate coaches. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, just changing coaches, you're going to have different type style of training, you know? Yeah. That was the biggest thing. They had me in equipment more often. Like even in off season, they had me in equipment like three three times a week. They had me like high volume in equip or like higher frequency in equipment. Usually, I like to put people like doing like equip squats like once a week at most. Uh, they had me doing equip squats twice a week when I was newer. Who who was it that kind of started alongside with you? Uh, you don't. You don't the, have to shout them all out, but like the ones that uh, I guess the team wasn't that big. Uh, okay. Preston Turner, he doesn't lift anymore, but he used to be a really good junior, uh, like a one twenty lifter. Mm-hmm. He won. Uh, he won like junior runouts, I think, one year, one or two times, and then Ian Bell. He was my year. He was my class. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mario Leos. He's a uh, open fifty nine lifter now. He only really does equip. It was kind of a, we had a few like other people, but those, those are the were people the, that would be they're still around now. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those lifters that you mentioned have actually done international level competitions. Like I know um Ian and Preston have both done I, I believe IPF back in the early two thousands. Right. Um any any cool like lifting stories with them or like things that you learned from them since they competed at um what we would consider like top level fresh after my sophomore year the coach there also left just like just what the heck just up and he left now he got like a job offer somewhere else for like research at a different university uh there was no one else really around to coach us so it was just like on us to like coach each other or use what we learn. Oh, really? Luckily, Ian, Ian Bell, his dad is Gene Bell. They have Bell Power Systems, and his dad is a power, great power lifter. He has a coaching business, and he's a big time coach. So, a lot of the responsibilities, I guess, uh, fell on Ian or uploading uh, programs online and then helping all the other lifters like with form or whatever else help they needed while getting his own workouts in. So it kind of sucks. Like a lot of responsibility fell on him, but I think he's the type of lifter. He loves powerlifting so much that he likes that kind of thing. He likes helping people 
he enjoys being like involved in the sport. So it, it turned out okay. It actually turned out better that way. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot under the BPS system. My top my top two biggest influencers are Josh Bryant and Bell Power Systems. Yeah. Since lifting with them, what what's what's some of the craziest stuff you've seen like in training from your collegiate team? Like anything that like you know they haven't put up that's probably like oh my gosh you know. uh i think i wasn't i wasn't there for this but i heard preston he his best equip bench is like 730 or something like uh, oh my god seven do you mean that he did it at 730 p.m or <laughs> yes, 730 pounds 730 pounds yes oh my yeah, I, think, I think it's like 730 pounds but and you said he's 120 yeah he's a 120 so 264 that's insane. So he he has to train with big weight. I think one time, uh, I think I don't know how much. I, and I wasn't there. I heard about this. I think it was like six seventy. I think he misgrooved it, and oh, then uh, he had one guy spot. Like usually he's strong enough to handle the weight with like one spotter, but he just like totally misgrooved to where he couldn't help. And then the one dude is trying to deadlift like six hundred off his chest, six hundred or so, yeah, seven hundred off his chest. He's like that dude hit a PR that day too. He's <laughs> like, he's like, guys, help! And then just like everyone, everyone ran everyone's over, watching. Pick up. everyone's clapping, like you got to dude, get that deadlift, <laughs> get that deadlift. Oh PR. wait, there's somebody <laughs> underneath you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Preston said like after that day he'd never been screwed ever again. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, in that in that same note about equipped lifting? Do you do you have to? have a separate mindset than you do with with raw lifting because of the the amount of weight and the amount of technical uh, skill that you need because it's it's not just as easy as putting on a shirt as you know and just being able to bench you know that much weight do you do you have to kind of separate yourself from your equipped lifting and your raw lifting like mentality wise um i think the style is different for sure like stances you use and the grips you use won't be exactly the same um the mentality i don't know if the mentality is different i think you definitely gotta have like spotters and set your safeties and be safe but i think you should do that anyways if you're raw i think you should just do that no matter what um you should have spotters and safety set up anyways yeah some people don't a lot of people don't (laughs) you see it all the time yeah, well, because um, the the thrill of almost dying can sometimes, um, from what I've heard, uh, can kind of motivate you to get that last little bit. <laughs> I don't so, think it's like more serious than raw. I don't think you have to push more. I don't think it's like that. You just, I think we're all training to get better. I think we all do take the sport seriously. Like we joke around, and have fun too. But when we're in our, you know, we're prepping for a meet, we all take it seriously. So I don't think yeah. my, I don't think my equipped prep for a meet is more like energy consuming or like it's more focused than my raw prep for a meet take us through what your your mindset was powerlifting through college because you said in high school you kind of just did it to have fun with your friends did did that mindset change at all oh yeah once i went to my sophomore year when I went to regionals and didn't go on to state, I I really uh, took it more seriously and took my offseason more seriously to consciously get better, get stronger. Because I did want to w- go to state. I didn't know if I would win, but 
that was one of my goals to go to state and at least place by the time I graduated high school. Uh, what was the what was the biggest competition that you did while you're at UT Austin? I actually didn't. I have like a gap in competing mm-hmm. while I was in college, so I competed my freshman year, and then I didn't compete again until my senior year because I just I got injured during my sophomore year, mm. and it was a pretty bad shoulder injury. I probably should have had like rehab or seen a doctor, but I didn't. I just kind of like let it heal on its own over like many months and I couldn't bench or like squat or deadlift without pain. And I just kind of like got really discouraged and I like gave up lifting for a whole year. Mm-hmm. So my sophomore year, I, I like, I literally just quit the team. And then my junior year after I took a year break, I was like miss lifting and kind of, I didn't go back to the team because I was so like weak and out of shape. I took a year to build myself up and I came back the next year. What did you do, I guess, during that junior year to really get yourself back into working condition? Uh, my training was just like four by five linear progression. Uh, go hard on your accessories. Just literally try to make every muscle like as strong as possible. Attack every angle. Were you were you were you self coaching yourself at this time, or was was this like did did someone come back to coach? Yeah, I was doing my own. Just yeah, I was doing my own. Just like linear progression, like add five to ten pounds every week until you plateau, and then start over, build again. Were your biggest inspirations in regards to developing your own training style, Josh and? And the the bell power systems. Uh, if I had to pick, like actual point of actual like models, yes. But I also learn a lot on my own, just like yeah. reading on my own, like learning anatomy on my own. And so it's not, it's not like fifty percent like that and that mixed together. It's oh, definitely okay. they're definitely big influencers, and I've learned a lot of things. And I just take the best of what I learned and put it into. Well, I learned on my own too. It just mm-hmm. kind of made this blend of what I have as SMP today. Yeah, because by that point, you would have been powerlifting for about seven years, six or seven years. So you would have had some opportunity to kind of come up with, we're using your own experience to come up with like what worked best for you. And kind of what we talk about is, you know, learning from, from past experiences, uh, right. kind of just learning by doing. Do you think that for the, and this is kind of a tangent, do you think that for the new age of coaches, do you think that you could weigh what's, you know, more beneficial, whether it be real life experience and just kind of, you know, putting your, putting your effort in and then figuring out what works, or if it's, you know, maybe more academic, uh, you know, learning from studying it, uh, could you, do you think in your opinion, one of those two is more important than the other. Yeah, I think you need I I I think both is important because I myself am like educated in like anatomy, biomechanics, exercise science, uh you know, that benefits my training greatly and my coaching. But I also don't think that you can just be some exercise scientist and get a doctorate in that and not lift yourself and realistically think you can coach like create elite athletes Mm. 
So, I th- so you need you a little bit of experience. You, you definitely need both. You can't just like uh, read about golf and be a doctorate and have your doctorate in golf and never play golf and be good at golf. You know, you got to have the experience in any sport, any physical activity. So yeah. for your like complete development, if you really want to know how to tackle any situation, any angle, I think, yeah, you need both. All right, sweet. So moving on from your uh, collegiate setting, before we leave that, like, what were your best numbers, uh, like, right towards the end of your college career? Do you recall those? Yeah, my best numbers as an 83, 633 squat, 633 deadlift, and then 480 or 485 bench in equipment. Well, we so don't, far we didn't really compete your... raw, so yeah. there's no. Uh, oh, you didn't compete raw because collegiates is equipped, and you know, I told you my coach, even in like off season, my collegiate coach had you in equipment like twice a week, like squatting twice a week. So it was very equipped focus when I was there, and the they have raw division now for collegiate, but that didn't exist until like four years ago. It's pretty recent. All right, so kind of take us through. Um, whenever you finished your college career and then you um, got into the PTA program? Oh, that was like uh, two years after. Um, Mm -hmm. I just spent those two years working as a tech, getting experience uh, and applying. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first year, I didn't get accepted anywhere. And then the second year, I got accepted. And um, once you were in pta school did you did you learn anything that you could have taken from school that's kind of applicable to your training now yes you learn anatomy and biomechanics and just having that base gets you ready for like anything Mm -hmm. especially when lifters are injured but also like breaking them down seeing like where they're weak where the actual breakdown is it, it helps with that, but that's kind of something I use my base knowledge that I learned in school and I myself take it one step further to the gym. They, mm-hmm. It's not like they, it's not like they sit there with like a, a failed squat in PT in like rehab class and try to like break that down for you. That it doesn't happen like that, but yeah, you learn your base, you learn your basics, your biomechanics and anatomy. And then from what you learn, then you apply that. So do you think with learning um, what you learned that if you had learned this stuff, I guess when you were younger, like things would have been a little different, like say with your your shoulder injury, how you said you kind of just trained through it, you kind of ignored it. Do you think you would have had like a different outlook at that time had you yeah. known what you know now? Yeah, definitely. That was... That was one thing I learned. You shouldn't, if it's so debilitating that you can't hit your normal numbers, then you should just, you should just stop back off and then focus more on getting healthier first and then go back to sport instead of trying to like push at like, instead of trying to continue at like 70% and just like, you know, Mm -hmm. being like doing all that work just to be at 70% of your best, like minus a hundred pounds off your best lift. That's like not satisfying. Yeah. So instead of doing that for months and getting like, that's negative progress. It's like getting negative progress. 
just just take like a month or two off or whatever time you need. Take that time off. Just stop doing that lift. Fully dedicate it to rehab. And then you can come back 100%. You can come back 100% healthy. Your lifts will be a little bit rusty because you didn't train them for a month or two or whatever. But you can once you're healthy, you can build that up again the right way. Yeah. And if you're like the only time where you may have to like push through injury is if you're about to do a comp um you're really close to a competition and um just you like you're within like three weeks of a competition and you can't take a month off then you just have to kind of try to manage it like do rehab do rehab while you train and then take uh you know take ibuprofen use icy hot like use pain management techniques yeah. Um, but that really depends on the context. Some people, if it's just a local meet and they're not super serious about that meet or their health is more important, which that's your own personal decision. That's not, that's not going to be the same answer for me or Abe or Josh or anyone else. If you decide that, you know, your shoulder health is more important and you could maybe, if you push through this meet, you may have to get shoulder surgery and not be able to lift for two years anyways then yeah, it may be a better idea. Just don't do this meet or don't train for a month or go through that. So you just kind of have to weigh your own like risk reward. So going off of, I guess, like what you've learned in your career and you having your own coaching and you're, and you're kind of navigating your athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you, how do you navigate that, um, that injury world with them? without, I guess, impeding their own personal goals? I, so, okay, it depends on what the goals are, what we're trying to accomplish, and what timeline. But in general, I think if you're going to be, if you're structurally sound, long-term, you're going to be better because you're going to be able to push yourself longer. You're not going to be worn down as easy. I mean, I think the reason most people like start to plateau is it's in conjunction like with some kind of like injury or like some nagging pain that's holding them back. Not always, but I think, and maybe not even majority, but I think a lot of the times that's the case. People yeah. have to back off because of an injury. So if they never were injured, did you have to back off or like, and these are very like, I'm, I'm just like making this up, but. I feel yeah, like this they, scenario very, is a yeah. These are very vague scenarios, yeah, very general scenarios. Yeah, and but in general, if something is hurting, I don't think it's good to leave that unaddressed. I think you need to take care of it at some point, maybe not now because you're competing for a meet, maybe you have to do it in like 3 months, maybe you have to do it in 6 months, but I think you if there's something there it's not going to fix itself. You need to take initiative to fix it or it will come back to get you again somewhere down the line. Maybe not through an injury, but maybe through, you know, you have instability or just decreased power output through a joint or through a movement. Again, it depends, but I don't ever think it's a good idea. Just like, Oh, I was having like severe knee pain and I keep having knee pain. I'm just going to push through it forever. Just rub icy hot. And like yeah. wear knees and just push through it forever and just ignore the knee pain. Like, yeah. I don't so think you, that's a good idea for longevity. Yeah. So you're, you're talking more about addressing the root cause of like finding out what 
is wrong with the lifter versus just trying to cover it up with whatever so that they can get through next week or next month or next meet. Yeah, and sometimes you may have to do both, but yeah. Okay. If you have issues, you need to get it taken care of. It's just that's with anything like health related. If you have this cough that you've had for like this bad cough that you've had for months, or you've had like migraines, headaches that you've had for months, like you just don't like ignore that and just take a Tylenol. I think you need at some point. I think you need to get it checked out. See what's going on. For example, if you uh, if you only bench and you only do chest and tries and you don't do back work, you don't do shoulder work, you don't do rotator cuff work, you don't do serratus work, then your shoulder is gonna your shoulder joint is gonna be an abnormal shoulder joint, and um, a lot of people have pain shoulder pain with benching, and I mean if you just don't address it, you're just gonna keep pushing yourself into that imbalance and just keep digging yourself deeper into this hole. I guess, what are some tips that you could give people if they did have some kind of injury or if they wanted to self-rehab and they didn't have too many resources? Right. I think um, just in general, if you don't know like your anatomy or biomechanics, um, the movements you should do, you should just find movements that you are bad at that you're weak at and do those movements that's and that's just like vague general but i think that's the easiest way if you because not everyone knows anatomy like for example if you're if your knee hurts uh if you have a lot of knee pain um you should work your quad you should make sure your quad is strong but most powerlifters quads are going to be strong um because you're getting that push so often, but is your, like your hamstring, is that strong? That's a stabilizer on the other side of your knee. Is your glute med strong? That's not glute med. You think of it more as being next to your butt at your hip, but that connects to your IT band, which is a stabilizer for your knee on the side laterally. So, I mean, if your quad is strong, that's only in the front. If you're not, I mean, if your joint isn't sound like laterally through your glute med, stability through your IT band, I mean, it depends on the context. Sometimes that can help people. Sometimes that may not. Yeah, I call it I call it a complete development. So just make sure you're kind of proportional, and it's kind of it doesn't um, kind of mesh well with what you want to do with training because you're. With training, you want to be specific and you just want to work on the stuff that's going to improve your comp lift. Again, like if you just work your chest so much that your shoulder is like pulled forward and it's pulled out of its joint and it's not sitting like a normal shoulder and you have shoulder pain and shoulder pain prevents you from benching, I mean, you're putting more like comp specificity into it, pushing your bench more is pushing again it's like pushing you more into this hole that you dug so you need to come out of it you need to undo that you need to work your back you need to work posterior shoulder you need to work your rotator cuff to put to kind of reset your shoulder make it structurally sound get it out of the situation where you've just pulled your shoulder anteriorly too much by just benching for example that's that's one example yeah 
Yeah, so you're you're more on the side of um, incorporating different movements to help different weak spots versus just the pure big three, just to push the absolute total. Like you you like you like trying to develop the lifter as a whole versus rather than just focus on the biggest numbers you can put up. For the most part, yes, but. Again, it depends on the lifter. It depends on what phase they're in. If this lifter is in their, if this lifter is like uh, pretty competitive, and their goal is to win their last collegiate nationals this next year, and they only have one year to do it, then I'm not gonna, then I'm gonna keep them more comp specific and just push the big lifts. I'm not gonna give them a bunch of rehab stuff or non-specific stuff if they don't have injuries. I'm going to spend that year getting them to that maximum level of performance just for that year. Mm-hmm. If I kept doing that type of training with them for like 10 years or five, three years, five years, whatever. Yeah. Then they'll get start to get imbalanced and have issues down the line, but it depends. They're not wanting to be good. I mean, they want to be good now. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What's some, what's some takeaways that you've seen working in a clinical setting versus like a competitive powerlifting setting, anything like similar, anything different that you can point out? Yeah, I've working in clinic. Um, I've definitely learned the importance of like intrinsics, which is like intrinsics, meaning like your uh, background muscle groups or smaller muscle. For example, like your core. Mm-hmm. No one ever. I mean, you, you fail like a squat, for example, you would think it's because your quads aren't strong enough or your back wasn't strong enough or, or maybe it was form, but nobody ever really says, uh, my core wasn't strong enough. And it's hard to like, see that, like, it's hard to see like a lift and say like, oh, they missed it because of their core. And it's hard for me to describe like what I see when I see that, but just like sometimes looking at a lifter, you can tell they have a weak core. Mm-hmm. And like they they need core work that may not be the only thing they need um sometimes i see like with knee patients they have knee like i brought up like the glute meat example mm-hmm. they have knee pain but i see that their main issue is like they have a big like hip weakness or they have imbalanced hips or they have flat feet and like do you have knee pain because there's something wrong with your knee Or do you have flat feet that's like caving your foot and torquing your knee in all the time? And you have like a, you have like this valgus knee because you're of your flat feet and you're always pushing and walking and squatting on a valgus knee. And that's why you have knee pain. Like what? I I just see like little things like that being in clinic. Yeah, because I see uh, 20 people a day five days a week. So I see like a hundred people a day. Some of them, I see them multiple times a week, but I'm in like a, I'm in a hundred throughout the week. I'm like being tested like a hundred times to find like deficits in people. So I just have that practice like constantly. I wanted to know, this is kind of towards the end, but uh, what are some of your future plans for your powerlifting goals and your career yeah powerlifting goals i want to i'm a 93 now and i want to go back to competing equipped and just 
compete at a high level with that. Um, but not until I guess it's starting like not until like uh, COVID is better, but I guess it's starting to get better with the vaccines and everything. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm hoping to compete maybe. You should. And it just it just depends on what happens. If it like another another strain yeah, another strain emerges or like what like who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen. But that's what I want to do this year. Just any get, um any specific numbers you're thinking of hitting or you just kinda if you make progress, you make progress. Uh I just wanna Yeah, I don't in terms of like choosing goals, I don't like and this is me, me personally, and what I do with my athletes. I don't like when they choose very specific goals. For example, my best squat is like my best squat is like six eighty eight in equipment. I don't like when people say I want to do a seven hundred squat because, like, being able to do those numbers, it's not you don't train to like you don't really train to do a certain number. You train to just progress your body. You just train to give your body stimulus and your body will adapt to that stimulus by getting stronger, by growing muscle, whatever. The training that I'm giving my body is not a training for a 700 squat. That may be like a side effect that I get, but the stimulus that I I give myself and my body's like adaptation to that, that can push me to like a 730 squat. It's not like so calculated like that, you know? And I don't like when people have like those specific goals because you can't control, I mean, a lifter that deadlifts 450 and they want a 500 deadlift. I cannot, the, the training program that I give them, I cannot control whether this program will get you to a 500 deadlift or a 470 deadlift or a 600 deadlift. like I don't know and I think uh, I think the best approach is just you should handle all your like you should do everything that you're supposed to do you should have your nutrition do your hydration have your protein get your sleep do all your training <laughs> and then um at the end of it, your body, you will progress. Your body will adapt. But how much progress you make from that, you don't have control over how much progress. You don't have control over like, I can get exactly 25 pounds on my totals, but you just get some, you just get your maximum progress. I think you just, I think that's the best way to approach everything. Just try to do your best, get maximum progress. And wherever that lands you, where whether it's 10 pounds on your total, 100 pounds on your total, you did the best that you can, so you're just happy with the result no matter what. Okay. There's nothing you could have changed. Yeah. So I don't like having like the number goals like that. So it's, just... it's yeah, it sounds like you're more um process oriented. You're you're more about, you know, trying to trust that what you're doing is gonna get you to your goal eventually. That right. you're not you're not trying to tell people, hey, I can get you from point A to point B in a span of time you're just you're giving them the tools and the means to get there right give you what you can to just everything you can to maximize your progress mm -hmm. and then i mean if you've given it your all 
whatever that gives you, there's nothing more you could have done, right? If you yeah. could have done something more, then you should have already done it. So if you're if you're giving it your all, and it gives you X amount of progress, but that that falls short of your number goal, then that's a really like bad situation because there's literally nothing more you could have done. You literally did your best, and we're all just human. We're not like we're not like superhuman monsters that can put like a thousand pounds on our total whenever we want just because we wish for it, just because yeah. we have the expectation for it. We're we have physical limitations, so. You just do your best, whatever your body gives you, then that's what you earn and you should be proud of that. Your perfect gym setting. What's the one piece of equipment that you need to be there in order for you to feel like you can make gains? If you had to just survive off the most minimal equipment, what would that equipment be? So I'm only picking one thing? Um. I'll, I'll be loose with that. I mean, I, I feel like you're going to say probably a bar. I mean, which... he, he has his own gym, so I mean, you probably know what, yeah, I have <laughs> what equipment gym. he needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mikey has his, Mikey has a home gym. Yeah, he has a home gym. Do you it, have it, everything you, you need in that home gym? Or is there anything that you wish that you either had space or the uh, or just like the expendable income to afford in order to purchase? Or do you have, are you pretty much that? I wish I had dumbbells just to do some more like accessory work but i can work around it um guess what as a friend of the show you're gonna get a full set of dumbbells (laughs) 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 but i I must warn you they will be made of concrete i don't think you know what you're committing to (laughs) they will be made of concrete and they may or may not be calibrated so just kind of take that but they will be dumbbells Mm, dumbbells the mic is not the only thing you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> you should just send me like a set of bells, just regular bells. Yeah, but they're really dumb. They're really dumb though. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I we we mentioned this because they're I have I think Josh, you have a pair of those Olympic size like loadable dumbbells. Yeah. What about them? They they for me they do their, they serve a purpose obviously like because you can hit a range of numbers um, yeah but I just I wish like what Mikey is saying I wish that I had like a full rack of dumbbells that I could just like walk up and then exchange the weights without having to like you know take off the collars and like you know move the weights around for like supersets or if I'm trying to do like you know I guess any sort of rapid fire like dumbbell work or whatever like. Having a having a full set there available definitely is a lot more convenient. Wait, wait, you you do rapid fire dumbbell work? rapid fire I've, double? Yeah, I've absolutely. never seen you do rapid fire dumbbell work. Like <laughs> things have changed since COVID, Josh. Him like, oh, we're calling him out. Oh like, man. So why why do rapid fire dumbbell work now? Well, you see, things change, and as you as you grow as an adult, you start realizing what matters in life. That's rapid-fire uh, dumbbell work? Life's too short not to do rapid-fire dumbbell work. <laughs> Thank you. Our, our, so, yeah. so, so, Mike, you said a full dumbbell rack would be what you wish you had in so order I to make your you, home gym complete? I tell you what I already have first? So, cause for context. No, I don't think that's necessary. Really? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just assume everybody already follows yeah, everyone, Mikey P. Everyone just should know. I'm just, I, look, uh, really? I, I just assume that well, if anybody... Even if you follow me, it doesn't show like everything in my garage. That's Ooh. true. But if, if they're not, they should already be following 
at call me Mikey before P. they before they listen to this podcast, they should have DM me and asked me what I have in my garage, right? Yes, I'm glad I'm glad you're catching on. Perfect. Take some, what do you take some initiative? What do you have in your home gym currently then? Squat rack and the bench. I have a deadlift platform, rubber mats on the floor. I have two bars, a the Chrome Ohio Power Bar and a Titex. I have uh, calibrated kilo plates up to like, you can load up to like 800 or 900 pounds. So like more than enough. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. So we're on, we're on our, we're on our way. Um, yeah. I have an because SSB. Because of COVID, we, you shouldn't be in the gym. You shouldn't, you should just leave the, leave the door open. Right. I have an SSB. I have a curl bar. I installed a wall-mounted pull-up. That's I have some bands and yeah, yeah. So I kind of have it good for garage gym. I think I have more than what yeah, the that, average garage perfect. gym has. Yeah, yeah. I have a you question now. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, do you have something else to add on that? I was just gonna say, like, with that, I think you could do most of your stuff or adjust most of your stuff. But dumbbells would be nice, but I don't think it's necessary. Okay, we'll, we'll work on that. I also we'll have a couch do. in the garage, so you can. Oh, just, you need a couch. That's important. During, yeah, after you do your set, you have to sit for five minutes if you're a power yeah, lifter. Yeah. Do you have any distractions? Do you have a TV? No. Oh, you need more distractions. <laughs> I have a fan and a heater, but you just you take your phone with you. True. Yeah, but sometimes having more distractions will help you because you may end up actually if you're if you're like me, you never want to finish a full workout in under four hours. So you just want to kind of have a few distractions there, uh, kind of balance it out. Do you do you think you'll ever go back to a to a commercial gym setting, or do you think that your home gym is kind of uh, you know kind of giving you a newfound look on your training? No, I definitely want to go back to the my normal gym. Okay. To to a powerlifting gym, but. Is that's that just for I'm the community? Right I like I like mentally it just gets me more like stimulated for my workout. Just just a routine of, you know, getting all your stuff, uh packing your pre-workout, packing your water, packing your equipment, and then like driving to the gym, entering a gym, it just like mentally just focuses me more versus just like, you know going to your backyard and just go lift at the stuff in your backyard. It's just, it's a little different mentality. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like uh, motivating you to actually get stuff done. Kind of like when I heard somebody mention once to motivate yourself to work out when you get home from work is to immediately change into your workout clothes because you feel like, you know, you're, you've already accomplished that much that you have to kind of continue oh. with it. Once you drive to the gym and you've gone through the process of actually getting your, your supplies ready, you kind of, that affects your training more than just kind of being just walking to the backyard or like you said, maybe even walking downstairs to your garage. Yeah. And I've done, I've just, I've never had a garage gym until COVID this year. And for my whole life, I've always like come home from work or come home from school, gotten my stuff and driven to the gym or walked to the gym. So that's like part of my routine I've done for a decade and suddenly I was just like, just go to your backyard. It's just, it's just a little different mentally. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's almost like if you're, if you're a student, like why go study at the library or why go study at a coffee shop, just study in your room. 
Yeah, why? Well, I never why studied do you need at the to I like you know, but people do. Oh my gosh. Unre- off topic, but it's, it's just like why? Why do you need that change of environment? You know, just study in your room. Yeah. No, I and you have to you have to separate yourself from sometimes because you you uh, and this we're way off topic right now, but I just want to that you're it's a it's a something that I realized that where if you're at the gym, you have to kind of you're separate from all of the other like aspects of what can come up at home. So like <laughs> yeah. if you're yeah. if you're downstairs and you oh. I got to go upstairs to, to change the light switch or, Oh, I got to go upstairs to uh, get, you know, something done for work or I got to go get this done or I got to go that done. Like you're more yeah, accessible I, to home. So like you're more, re- you're more likely to like leave the gym, your home gym and like go get that taken care of. Whereas if you're at the gym, like you're there, like you can't just I, like leave. Yeah, I do that. I, in the middle of my workout, I come back in sometimes to heat up dinner <laughs> and then go back and finish my workout. It sounds like you need a so microwave that, in your home. So gym. when I'm done, my dinner is ready. <laughs> right when I work out, efficiency. My workout is done. I'm sorry, I cut you off, Mikey. <laughs> what was your question? What was your answer? He <laughs> didn't. What? Is, okay, I'll ask, it, I'll ask it again. Sorry. <laughs> what is a what is a bad habit that you have in the gym, either while training? Or like in any aspect of your of you being in the gym, like people people that I train like message me about like urgent questions or videos. Of course, I'll answer that. But mm-hmm. I'm sometimes just like on my video, looking at stocks or like <laughs> just looking at unrelated stuff, looking so at let's, news. Let's let's talk about that then. So, oh my you, god, here we go. You um, have you have a uh, Josh. I didn't interrupt you when you were asking about <laughs> high school. Don't interrupt. He, the right. man's talking about about I'm real life to, right now. I'm going to bed. Mikey, do you do you find it as any sort of you know necessity to have hobbies outside of powerlifting? Like you know, I, I see that you've recently got into like you know. Well, I mean, maybe I've just I don't know if this is something that other people know about you, but that you are interested in you know investing in and in technology necessary for. I mean, if you only like powerlifting, some people only like powerlifting or the gym. I mean, who who am I to say that you can't only like that? You're but Mikey me, Peters, have, who you I, are. I have I have other hobbies outside of just the gym. I play video games. I recent recently uh, like uh, Kingdom Hearts release for PC. Oh yeah. So I never played Kingdom Hearts three, so I'm going back and playing Kingdom Hearts one, two, and three. Um. I play League of Legends sometimes. Yeah, I recently got into investing. I mean, I like I watch anime. Currently watching. Well, yeah, you did, you already said you were a powerlifter, so. <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Oh well, gosh. let's be honest. Next thing, if he says he drinks fair life, then we would say, yeah, of course, because you're a powerlifter. There's there's a few things that all powerlifters do: is watch anime, drink fair life. What um, else? Heat up dinner between sets. No, heating up dinner between sets is a special. It's a special thing. Only a few people can do that. Mikey, Anas' back hurts. Can you uh, prescribe him some? My my back really hurts. Some pain medication. Pain medication. No, I can't prescribe pain medication. He literally was on the ground doing ninety ninety hip lifts like ten minutes ago. I've been driving all day. I've been. I feel tight. Where were you driving from? I drove from McKinney. This is Mikey's podcast. Oh, McKinney. Okay. 
<laughs> what else, Mikey? You have any other questions for me? I mean, I can't tell if you're messing with me or not. But no, I can no, help you with your no, actually, I was. Yeah. But do it right here, pain. right now. Or it doesn't hurt. It's just, I just, I've been driving all day. I'm just, what I would just you feel... like me to do about it? <laughs> fix it. Fix <laughs> this it is back. my first question. He's your friend. <laughs> fix his back. So fix it. Okay, well, right now, have you tried? You got a screwdriver? Have you tried tried doing pull-ups, man? (laughs) Just need some. Just need a stapler. Stapler. I I think he has a. I think he has a weak core. I tried punching him in the stomach, and he, (laughs) and he completely just fell over, like a weak, like a weak little boy. Two McGill's big three. (laughs) That's what Ava's been doing all like all this podcast. He's just been punching me in the stomach. I've been punching the nuts. Oh man, Mikey. Yes, Mikey, my my beloved Mikey, you've had you've had you've had a, a I, mean, I don't want to you know paint it to be bigger, but you've had a pretty illustrious powerlifting career. You have a bright future ahead of you. Illustrious, when, I don't know what that means, man. Well, let me just get you a. People are not going to realize that we're well, friends. I do people this are, all the I do this all the time. By the way, random fact: when people say like. I'm not afraid people like use a fancy word. I'm just like, hold on. And I just get my phone and go illustrious definition. Well known, respected and admired for passing. Oh, thank you. I think that that's a pretty accurate way to describe your, your powerlifting persona. I have, I have two, two final questions. Really? This first one is if you could go back five, 10 years and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Whether it be like, let's just say powerlifting related just to keep it concise. Either to make you a better coach or to make you a better athlete. I think what whatever you choose to do daily, whether it's training or even not related to training, school, whatever, make sure it's something that future you, whether it's in a week, a month, five years, that they're going to look back and say, thank you, past me, for doing that five years ago. Thank you for contributing to my growth. Thank you for making that good decision to where I'm not in a regretful situation now. So just, I guess, make good decisions for your future. Something yeah. something productive, something that builds. Yeah. So take your future self into account and don't just think about the present consequences. Think about what could happen years down the line. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, don't. Well, that's great. Second, second question is regarding your current um, opinions and stance regarding like training. Do you think mm-hmm. that with, I guess you know, while you're training and you're on your phone, you must go, you must see things regarding other people's training styles. And do you ever, do you have like uh, pet peeves when it comes to? Obviously, people can train the way they want. I'm kind of anticipating that you're going to say that. But, like, do you have mm. certain pet peeves regarding uh, coaching styles that you wish just weren't around anymore? Um. Please, uh, you say names. And, you know, announces <laughs> call first people of all out. right here, by the way. <laughs> call people out. <laughs> Josh is right there, too. Man. I wouldn't say it's, like, pet peeves, but... I don't think doing uh, top singles all year round is necessary. I only really do like heavy singles for my lifters, like in competition or if they're going to, if they're prepping for like a gym max or something in, in preparation f- for a peak. 
but if they're in off season and they're doing like, you know, they're just trying to build their base. They're doing hypertrophy work. They're doing reps of like seven to 10 or 12s or whatever. I don't see the point in doing a top single. So would that be related to doing too, too high up intensity, just like in off season, or is it just related to singles in particular? Well, I guess it's real. I guess like, I guess higher intensity, like top triples or like top, what top doubles, whatever. It doesn't have to be a single. I don't think that's necessary all year round. Just my personal opinion. Okay. It doesn't bother me if other people do it. I know that's like a common, it's a common style that a lot of people use. Do you think but, it's done for the clout or do you think it's done because they don't know any better? I don't want to say it's, I don't like how you phrase that because it implies that I think their way sucks. And I think, okay, let me say, let me say that in a, in a less charged way. Do you think that those people are stupid (laughs) or do you think that they're just not smart? What do you think about? No, but what I mean, what I'm, let me ask it in a, in a really non-charged way. Do you think that that comes with like lack of knowledge or do you think that's coming from like a, um, like uh, a history of like what coaches are passing down? Do you yeah, think I that think they learned that from whatever coach or whatever program that they had success with? And then they're just, uh, I mean, that's what they know. That's their best tool. That's what system they're comfortable in. So there's using that. Um, and we could, we could just, I feel like we could debate for hours on like the pros and cons of doing like heavy singles throughout the year. Mm-hmm. We could probably really go, so we can go super in detail about this. And I, and I recognize that there are, I don't think it's all bad. I think there are pros to it. Um, I think there are cons to it too. And I think it's about your, and it's very context related, what your goals are. Um, no. <laughs> so, so, okay. So how often do you think it's too often like doing singles? Do you think like just year round or maybe like one third of the year is too often? Or is it only whenever you, your meat prepping is like the only appropriate time to do singles? I only have my lifters do singles or like top trip, like top sets when they're prepping for a me or prepping for a gym max, like, like consciously, like it's, it's planned. Like it's like eight weeks from now, we're going to do a gym max or eight weeks from now we're going to do a comp. Uh, I don't really do it for off season. Mm. So for off season, how far out is off season? How, how close to a comp is in season or when do you start prep usually? I give my lifters eight to 12 weeks. So that's three months of doing like top, top sets or top triples or singles, which is, I mean, that's, that's one fourth of the year. So it's, it's not too, I don't think you're doing it too, like not, not too often. I don't think it's um like you're doing it only whenever you're like two weeks out. So like, I guess people get the idea like, Oh, doing top singles or, top triples is you don't want to do that whenever you're only in off season you want to do like whatever sevens or eights or tens whenever you get closer to comp um it's appropriate time which is i think it's it's kind of common that people only do like heavier stuff whenever they're three months out or two months out then they start kind of ramping up intensity which makes makes a lot of sense 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to be fair, I do see that stuff on Instagram too, and I'm just like, why are you doing a heavy single? And you have no, I guess, like if you're doing like a mock meet, or if you want to like test yourself, I guess I can see that. Don't, don't some people like test once a week? Oh, you mean like uh, Louis Simmons? I think he does. Like conjugate, yeah. well, like I don't know, like I don't want to, I don't want to mix up Westside and conjugate because I know that they're different in some respects. But like, I know that some people will like test. I don't know about singles, but like I know they'll test themselves like weekly or you know on a semi regular basis where they're going for like a heavy single or like a heavy double. I mean, I think that I don't know if it's. I think Anas mentioned it previously that like the current style of training has popularized a lot of like the you know the back to basics type of training where you're just you know you're doing the same things and trying to perfect your technique as opposed to just trying to find like variety uh in exercise selection whereas like i I would say maybe five six years ago people were more yeah i guess wanting to experiment with a lot of different types of training styles where like i think i would see that more commonly a few years back but like now I i don't think that that's i don't think that's that 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 is the meta that people are training like right now. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have to be passed that on. Maybe you train like, you know, under somebody who maybe has an older old school mentality. That's kind of, that's kind of where my mind goes when thinking about somebody who trains in that fashion. Nice. I was just, I don't think it's bad. It's just very, not my style. And I've been asked, why don't I do it that way? And I'm just like, yeah, it's not, I don't, it's, I don't think the benefits I think the cons outweigh the benefits if you're not prepping for something. Okay. You could have used that time and energy towards doing more. I mean, if you're in off season, you're trying to build, you're doing hypertrophy, for example, instead of doing a top set, which what, what are your benefits of the top set? If you're in a hypertrophy block, you maintain some top end strength. Yeah. And you maintain, I mean, fitness, top end strength, which is not the focus of the cycle, but, and you use time and energy that could have been used towards actually addressing your goal of hypertrophy or whatever. You use some of that. It's not a lot, but you use some of that time and energy towards something else. That's not the goal of the cycle. Yeah, it's like they get afraid. They're like, oh, oh, wait, I haven't done a single in like six weeks. I got to go back and do that real quick or else I'm not a power lifter. And I feel like a lot of people can get away from lifting heavy or a lot of people can just get away from being in the gym at all. People can just take like two or three months off and they give themselves like six months to build back up and they can hit PRs off of that. I think that's not uncommon to hear people do that. So it's... It's just not my style. Yeah, we were just talking about the mental dependency people have on the gym and having like a certain identity attached to um, their certain style of training and Mm -hmm. how and how it, you know, definitely is healthy. That's kind of what the point of the question previously was like hobbies outside of powerlifting to kind of give you a ability to, you know, take a step, you know, away from whatever, you know, issues you're having with lifting or maybe just to give you an opportunity to unwind in a different way and then come back to lifting in more of a uh, focused or maybe hungrier mentality like i guess it's different for everybody you know everyone has their own individual ways of, of going with that but um yeah i think that's definitely healthy too it's not just there's more to life than just lifting no there's not 
Well, you're right. There is more to life than lifting. There is also this podcast that lifting and dinner. Make it, it's heating up your dinner halfway through. Heating dinner. Yeah. It's it's ordering a mic and realizing that it's that it doesn't work. A lot of yeah. or it's hey, making concrete plates. The mic is fine. It was the person giving the uh, IT tips. <laughs> Make sure is it plugged in? <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll, we'll forgive Anas this time. It's okay. Oh, okay, okay. To rep, I was on the floor. To rep, well, we don't got time now. Sorry, <laughs> well, we just ran out of time. To wrap up, real quick, Mikey, do you have any final words to say uh, to anybody who maybe you know wants to, wants to quit powerlifting or, or or wants to wants to try another sport? Um, do you have anything to say to the people like that? Well, if you want to try something new, I think. Yeah, go try it. Um, if you're contemplating it, go try it. See if you like it. If you like it more than powerlifting, if you want to spend more time with that than powerlifting, then that's, I mean, that's great. Not everyone, not everyone's going to put powerlifting first or love powerlifting. There's tons of other field passions to enjoy in the world. That's the beauty of having variety. I mean, some people love football, some people love basketball, some people love dancing, What, like whatever. I don't think, uh, if someone tells me, like a lifter that I coach, they say, I want to quit because I want to go uh, do swimming or whatever, like whatever. I want to play like tennis, like I'd be like, okay, like, I can't make you love powerlifting. I can't make you want to do this. If you don't want to be here, if you want to be somewhere else, then that's fine with me. I mean, not, not, not even in like a, like, like a, a salty way. Just like, yeah, if you don't, if you want, if you want to be the best tennis player, like I don't do that. I can't help you with that. So respectfully, we just go our own ways and, I respect that you want to do that and then just good luck with your future. And if you want to come back to powerlifting, then I'm here for you, but yeah. Nice. I mean, I'm, well, su- so- I'm supportive of that. But if you are wanting to stay within powerlifting and you are looking for a coach, then uh, at call me Mikey P and is definitely going to be a good resource for you. Uh, School of Mikey P definitely. Uh, definitely going to be a, a, a name stay in powerlifting for years to come. So we definitely wish you a lot of success in that. And also well, wish you a lot of success in your business as well. You guys know that today was day one of collegiate nationals, collegiate junior yeah. nationals. Yeah. Of course we did. We and I saw Annie, all that. Annie deadlifts. Uh, she did exceedingly well. Do you want to shout her out? Exceedingly? Exceedingly well. shout out a few people? You yeah, can go sh- for you it. You know what, Mikey? You can shout so out have... um, as many as you want. Well, day one... Uh, I had three people lift today. They all placed. Uh, Brian Wynn, he goes to pod, right? Anas goes to pod. You guys go to pod. Yes. Oh, only Anas does. Does, an- does he train in my in my backyard? <laughs> I haven't run into him yet. Well, pod is, you know, it's part of our Dallas powerlifting family. The yeah, powerlifting for family. sure, for sure. So, Brian. So, Brian Wynn. Brian. He got, he got silver in 53s. Nice. Awesome. So uh, Dallas Hopping, he's from Missouri. He's not from Texas, but he got third in 59s. Woo! That's my boy. My and boy. And, of course, uh, 
my third lifter today. You guys know Annie. Annie win. Mm-hmm. Annie deadlifts. Annie she does got, win. Annie, she Annie won. First. She won. <laughs> she got first in 52 junior and collegiate collegiate American record squat, collegiate Ooh. American record total. Oh, my. And that. We're sending them all dumbbell sets. Yeah. Thank <laughs> So, Mikey, do you have any lifters coming up uh, this weekend? Because this podcast will come out on a Tuesday. Just good luck to everyone competing tomorrow, competing on Friday, Saturday. Just do your best. Have fun. I'm proud of you no matter what. Yeah. Oh, Mikey. Just do, have you fun. Love your, do you love oh, your athletes? Sweet. Do you love your uh, athletes? What an awesome Yeah, coach. I love my athletes. I, you love don't... My, uh, I love people in the powerlifting community, even if they're not coached by me. Oh, so you don't you don't just I mean, coach you guys are coached by me, but we're we're friends. I yeah. love you guys. Yeah, you guys are my sure. bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can fix Anas's back. Yeah, Staples. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, Mikey, again, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to uh, not only have you on the podcast, but to be our first ever guest. Um, it was amazing to kind of get to know a little bit more about you, even though we've kind of you know we've been friends for years. But I feel like I walked away with a little bit more. Um, of knowledge about kind of where you came from and where you're going. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Awesome. And if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram at ChalkMyBack. Also listen to us every Tuesday at Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. As always, thank you again for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Monkey. Later. Ooh. A little bit. Good for your knees. Yeah. I think Mikey said it. It's, it's a sturdier base. He, he definitely said that. Mikey said don't squat to death. He said squat high. He's good for eating. That's good. Hey. That's the number one problem people have with this spot to look. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.